buy that ASAP. Well, there is. Brian sent me this thing where he got it. Um, Venice Pride and the Ozohadi that said, um, "I'm into butt stuff." So, so people are into butt stuff. They're for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording, by the way. So. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we're talking about butt stuff. We're talking about making merchandise for butt stuff. So exactly. anyone who's into butt exactly. stuff. We I feel if you want to give a I feel if you want like someone to get a really good idea of what they the potential they have of being their true authentic self is like secretly recording them when they're in their element and then just showing it to them. So this could be you. This could be you. Yeah, if you would just be this person all the time, you should imagine how much happier you'd be if you just walked down the street with a t-shirt that said, I'm into butt stuff. Could you imagine how many men I would have if I really embraced that I'm into butt stuff like all the time? If I just wore that t-shirt all the time, it would just be like, just be cold like, coming at me. You're, you need to stop being so greedy, taking, <laughs> taking all the men, okay? Save some for the rest of us. Listen, listen. I can't help it. You're like, uh, was the greedy one <laughs> in uh, Willy Wonka? Got Augustus Gloop, or was it Veronica? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're Augustus Gloop. Exactly. I used to. Be. Oh. <laughs> oh, that ties into our that ties into our our question of the week this week. Look at that. <laughs> oh boy oh boy anyway so, yeah. howdy every howdy everybody and welcome oh, wait, were we, back were we really re- yeah i'm actually <laughs> recording this this is actually happening what are you talking about well, okay perfect <laughs> <laughs> this is all going in <laughs> all going in your butt <laughs> the behind the scenes ladies and gentlemen the behind the scenes yeah behind the drapes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, howdy everybody <laughs> Welcome back to the Who Else Podcast With your sparkling host, Chase Your favorite queer busybody And Nick, your gay therapist With the crest smile Who may or may not be here To save you from yourself So I Nick, mean... what are we talking about today? Ooh. Today we are talking about Secure attachment lies right okay okay so we are we are beginning our series on attachment styles and you might have heard the word attachment thrown around whether it's in your circle of friends just at the nightclub whether it is on the street corner or whether it is in your therapist's office in your actual therapist's office or in your therapy office while you're scrolling through TikTok. So, uh, <laughs> so when we look at attachment styles, attachment styles basically how we learned to get our needs met in order to survive mm. our parents, basically, right? So, parents, yikes. Um, so let's look at secure attachment styles, which I think is important because that's what we should start out with. Mm-hmm. Uh, a secure attachment style in adults looks like the attachment style that combines a positive working model internally of attachment to oneself, which is characterized by a view of oneself as worthy of love and a positive internal working model of attachment of others characterized by the view that others are generally accepting and responsive. Mm. And that is brought to us by the American psychological association. Uh, Continued the positive parent child relationship in which the child displays confidence when the parent is present shows mild distress when the parent leaves and quickly reestablishes contact when the parent returns. So <clears throat> brought to us by the APA, good old folks at APA right there. So God, they write general, everything. general overview of secure attachment. So, so the, the child needs to be confident when, when the parent is around and we need to be in distress when the parent leaves. This is the opposite of my experience. <laughs> I loved it when my mother went away. It was great. <laughs> I could watch all the Jenny Jones I wanted. <laughs> God, I miss Jenny Jones. Wasn't it great? But you know what? I loved Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake was my girl, let me tell you. 
<laughs> she was hot. Ricky Lake was, was fire. Oh, my Lord. Ricky Lake and Jenny Jones. I wish they would be on The Bachelorette. I would, I would scoop up both those fine, fine ladies. <laughs> so, um, I think a quick example of what you're talking about, which is not secure attachment, is when you are riding in your car, driving your parent around, and you have extreme anxiety when they either are like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Watch where you're going, watch where you're going. And there's actually, you're not even moving, you're not even driving, you're just sitting there. Yeah. Or when you're in the car and <laughs> mom goes to slam on the brakes because maybe she wasn't paying attention, who knows? Maybe some vagrant was running in front of the car, I don't know. And she goes, <laughs> she goes to apply the mom break. And I think we all know what the mom break is. When your the mom like, yeah, slams the arm in front of your chest, freaking you the F out. So yeah. So that could be some examples of what a secure attachment with your parent does not look like. But we're looking yeah. at secure attachment. So yeah. Um, so yeah, so I guess the question is, why do we feel it's important to start with this topic and not just jump right into the meat and potatoes where everyone yeah. probably relates? So Chase, what uh, what do they have to say in the, the halls of pop psychology about security? Uh, well, as any uh, millennial with a pulse will know, as Nick mentioned, attachment styles are the hot kid in town. Uh, any, any jaunt down the halls of TikTok and Instagram uh, will reveal loads of people proclaiming the various benefits and disadvantages of each attachment style. Usually it's people uh, explaining why their, why their attachment style is the best. That's usually how it works. <laughs> it's like, my attachment style is good. Yours is bad. Like a zodiac sign? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Attachment styles, I think that's why attachment styles are so popular, is because people like zodiac things. Uh, and it just fits. It's like, oh, here's this thing that describes me perfectly. I am the shit. Everyone else sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. I think that's. I think that's essentially how it works. But attachment well, styles. Uh, <laughs> what, what are you, by the way? You're a cancer in my life. No, no, no. I'm not a cancer. I'm a Taurus. <laughs> You're a Taurus. What's a Taurus? Mm -hmm. What is a Taurus? Like what dates yeah. or like? <laughs> what's a what's the animal? The bull. The bull. Mm -hmm. mm. Mess with the bull, you get the horns, huh? Hey. That's right, you do. Where's Molly Ringwald at? Where's she at? <laughs> Getting her butthole taken care of. <laughs> For those of you who are listening that might be Gen Zers, uh, Molly Ringwald was a hot, spicy redhead that was part of the Brat Pack in the 80s and early 90s. So, Breakfast Club, everyone. If you haven't seen it, yeah go check go check that movie that was good that's good i don't think any of those people had a secure attachment style in the breakfast club that's why they were all in detention they're all not. right i think it's actually a like when they look at when i went to school and kind of when i was training and stuff in practice i think that uh the breakfast club is a perfect case study or was a common case study that people use to kind of explore like interpersonal relationships as well as attachment styles because it's very like textbook human nature that movie so yeah. that is, that's a good point yeah because each one of them they all are kind of like i guess that i mean that kind of was the point i guess in the writing was mm -hmm. to have one person that is kind of emblematic of not just a, a type of person in high school but a type of personality that you'll meet and it humanized them right even like the bully kid the bad kid like you understood like oh i understand why he's like that i feel i i feel for him like everyone ended up getting well, along at the end yeah for sure for sure i mean i think that do you think that if they would have written it now like in recent times from the angle and perspective of attachment styles that it would have had a whole different or do you think maybe it would have turned out the same mm. I don't. I think if they wrote it about life now, none of them would have talked to each other because they all would have been on their phones looking at TikTok. <laughs> 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 it's 
say, hey, Molly Ringwald. Why am on TikTok right now? Leave me alone. What do you see? I'm looking at these, these vids. Look at this puppy. Oh. This puppy is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Molly Ringwald doing like some dance, some TikTok dance. Hold the camera. Carrying a ring light. <laughs> Carrying a ring light. Yeah, I can see that. I can oh, see that. If anyone, totally. yeah, it would have been Molly Ringwald. <laughs> Put her on the wall of fame. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Is she still around? I mean, yeah, she's still around. But I think in the movie, her name was on some bathroom stalls, wasn't it? She was that character. She was that girl. Oof. But My f- I think everybody either wanted to be Molly Ringwald or they wanted to date Molly Ringwald because she was like the it girl of the 80s, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, for, sure. for sure. But she didn't have secure attachment stuff. <laughs> so... She so you, you don't want to be with her, no. She's she probably a Taurus. Because then if you look at her when she was in uh, 16 Candles, <laughs> that was like her attachment style activated like hardcore. I mean, the girl had it rough. The girl had to share her room with the, <laughs> the international exchange student. I mean, uh-huh. they forgot her birthday. Like, God, such like a rough life. She felt really abandoned, ignored. Yeah. If your parents uh, force an international student on you and forget your birthday, then <laughs> yeah, you're you're in some deep, deep doo doo <laughs> for right. your adulthood. Right. You're gonna right. be on Tinder, swiping on all types of folks, but you shouldn't be swiping on props. <laughs> or you could be on Grinder. <laughs> Ghosting people left and right. So, you know. are you speaking from personal experience? <laughs> <laughs> I've never ghosted anyone on Grinder. Come on now, come on now. Yeah, that's true. You're about, you're trying to gather up all the all the coins you can. <laughs> okay, but there was a period in my life where I did not have the confidence to be on Grinder. Right, so let's just say that's been a recent addition to my life. So, uh, well, not too recent, but anyway. So we're back to our. Anyway, anyway, as Nick shows, uh, as Nick has explained, <laughs> dating is rough, especially uh, when you have a certain type of attachment styles. If you're not like securely attached and things of that nature. Uh, anyone who's ever dated someone who has the quote-unquote wrong attachment style burns worse than a raging case of the clap. <laughs> but you're probably asking yourself, what what type of person has a secure attachment style? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give a description. A person with a secure attachment style, they're those people, those jerks uh, who are just walking around life, always feeling worthy of love. And they believe that other people will never do them any harm. You know, those those jerk those jerk faces. You know, like Gwyneth Paltrow, Reese Witherspoon, people like this. <laughs> people that just walk around living on clouds. Nicole Kidman, other people of the of that very happy go lucky nature. These people are delusional, but that's fine. Beyond, I love all those the... women. I love all those women, by the way. Gwyneth, yeah, exactly. don't count us out for don't count us out for a group collab. Gwyneth, don't count us out. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not singling out uh, women. I just don't feel men exist. So <laughs> I don't believe. I don't believe men exist. So I pay no attention to them. Uh, but be, beyond the fact that people with secure uh, attachment styles either don't exist or are entirely delusional, there are some big myths I think that we should dispel uh, about mm-hmm. the special unicorn. So myth number one is that secure attachment is the norm. Right. A lot of studies say that the most people uh, are securely attached, but recent studies don't show that that claim stands up. The belief that secure attachment is the norm often makes people feel broken. Right. If you read the description of being securely attached, you're like, well, I don't fully align with everything on this list. So therefore, I'm broken in some way. This effect is similar to how many users of platforms like Instagram often end up with decreased self-esteem since everything posted on there is a highlight reel of someone's life as opposed to the day-to-day reality, right? They may display that they're securely attached sometimes, but sometimes they're not. So if you feel like you're a broken person because you don't 
have perfectly secure attachments in every one of your relationships, fret not, because recent research shows that secure attachment is actually quite rare. Uh, it's actually, it's more of an ideal that we should strive towards uh, than something that's perfectly achievable, right? Like everyone is striving to be healthy, but there is no person who is perfectly healthy in every way. Um, according to common definitions of this attachment style, a person's upbringing would have to be flawless, right? At every stage of their development, which again is obviously uh, unlikely. Have you, have you experienced that with your clients? Like people who beat themselves up because they think that, oh, I'm not, I'm not a perfectly secure attached person. This relationship has problems. Yeah, I think especially when, you know, you go into working with them on even exploring or kind of just educating them in general about what attachment is. Um, and usually people come to you um, as a therapist to seek out like what's going on? Why am I not having the relationship that I want? Oh my gosh, it's like the same thing over and over and over again. And so, you know, they already feel that there's something defective about them, right? Especially when you look at who they compare themselves to. And so when you start throwing out the attachment styles and you kind of really kind of going into, into them with where the insecure attachment style develops early childhood, you know, then there's this automatic or just like really common response to that is, Oh, so I'm basically screwed the rest of my life. So there's no hope for me, right? Mm. Especially people that come to see me when they're in their late thirties, early forties, even sometimes later, you know, they really want, there's that innate desire to have a relationship, but when they look at, so I have to go through 30 years of undoing all of this stuff that I've had to experience and it can be defeating. It can be very overwhelming. And I think people are comfortable at that point. So they're like, you know what? I know what to expect. Either I'm going to be alone or I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because I know what to expect. Right. And so I right. think that's kind of what I see a lot is that they start to really see, oh my God, like when you're confronted with what's happened and why your attachment style has formed because of those circumstances, it can be very, very defeating. So, right. So the, the next myth I think ties into this quite well. It's like secure attachment is only possible through a perfect childhood right like i something happened my my mom didn't give me that chocolate bar i wanted that one time and it made me real mad therefore i can never be a securely attached person right a lot of the literature around secure attachment was very definitive it's like this happened in your childhood therefore you're gonna fit into one of the uh, attachment styles but though right. secure attachment is an elusive wildebeest we can improve how secure we feel in our relationships as we develop, even if our childhood was, was kind of crap. And we'll dive into steps to become more securely attached in future episodes when we discuss specific insecure attachment styles. But there are plenty of things that we can do uh, to move towards that ideal. Some of those things include ending toxic relationships, learning to accept support, from family and friends and other people in our, our social network and working through past negative experiences in therapy. Correct. You know, I think it's also important to give people language so that they might, when they hear what it means to be this or what it means to be that, they're like, oh, maybe I am more of this than I thought I was, right? And so <clears throat> where I see this happening is if my clients that, you know, that are usually moving to larger cities where there's a lot of a lot of insecurity, right? A lot of insecure attachments mm -hmm. just running wild, especially in Los Angeles, right. I find. <laughs> People come here and because they are the minority, right? They come here in this city and they feel, oh, like maybe it's maybe it's me. Maybe I'm expecting too much. And so looking yeah. at these different environmental conditions that you that people experience that usually result in securely attached individuals. Sometimes we forget about this. And so I think if it's, if we let people know, Hey, these things are important to keep in mind, usually helps people kind of feel a little bit better, but also right. it can help them feel a little bit more isolated. So for a person to be securely attached as a child, they felt safe and protected by their parent mm -hmm. or their caregiver. They felt seen and known. So an example is if I cried as a baby, that meant I was hungry. My parent came and responded appropriately. Okay? Right. Um, I felt soothed. I felt comforted. I felt reassured. I felt valued and I felt supported and encouraged to explore. So being curious was permitted and encouraged. 
which led me to really develop a sense of self, right? Right. And so right. if anybody's listening that hears that, that maybe has recently or for the past however long been experiencing dysfunctional relationship, toxic relationship, relationship that just doesn't work out over and over and over and over again, when they start hearing things like, oh, secure, insecure attachment, they think, oh, well, that's me. Well, if you have all of these, if you satisfy all of these categories or most of them, chances are you aren't insecurely attached, but because you can't find attachment and connection, that is bringing up a lot of insecurity in itself. And you're feeling like a member of the out group when a lot of the members of the in group are secure in their insecurity, right? So, so I think that's important to kind of highlight because a lot of people do get down in and out on themselves thinking, well, there's no hope for me because nobody wants me. Well, nobody wants you maybe because maybe you're too secure in yourself and it's bringing up a lot of insecurities in that. So, yeah, <laughs> that's definitely a thing. Like we do get trapped in our own minds is, is a strange thing with labels. We define ourselves by that because it does, you know, give us some comfort yeah. because it, we, we relate to it and we feel seen, you know, with astrology, like we were mentioning before and with attachment styles, these labels make people feel seen. It's like, oh, I, I understand yeah. that. I had that experience as a child. I feel this way as an adult. I have this pattern and I, I experience this pattern in relationships. So this fits how I view myself and how I view other people and how I experience the world. But it, it is also limiting in the sense that if you see other people, if you define yourself as being insecurely attached and you see some other person, you're like, oh, this person, those, those two in that relationship, they're securely attached. That's not me. I can't become that person, even though, as you showed, you may have these positive qualities, but you're just not recognizing them. Right. Right. Sure. Why do you think it is that people have difficulty kind of seeing the positive? Why people like will cling to defining themselves as having an insecure attachment style, even though they have secure attachment-esque style qualities? I think a lot of it is because it creates a sort of way to identify. And so usually if someone does come, let's say they moved to LA and they're, they have all of these qualities, they have all of these traits that they, they satisfy. Sometimes what I find will happen is that they will start to create insecurities in order to feel connected and feel part of, um, in what way? <clears throat> I'll give an example. Um, let's say that someone decides to move to a larger city. Mm -hmm. Um, they're gay. They didn't really have the opportunity to, you know, develop that identity or kind of really explore it. And so they, they satisfy all of these characteristics, right? They satisfy all of these check boxes. And so they move to LA fully confident in themselves and they can't find anybody to connect with, whether it's because LA is such a big city, it's hard to connect to people. It's hard to get a commitment from somebody to hang out. And right. so what do I do? I go to where I know a heavily concentrated area of gay men are. So let's say that I go to the bar. <clears throat> well, now, because I've never really experienced what I am about to walk into, oh, like I'm going to order a drink. And I might not know like that all of these other people here where you had like five or six drinks. And so they seem really confident and secure in themselves. And so now I'm feeling insecure. Mm -hmm. And so I walk into this bar, order my first couple of drinks. Maybe some people feel guilt. Maybe some people feel whatever it is. But now I think that they find insecurities, they create insecurities in order to make sense of why they don't feel part of something, right? And so I think looking at like one of our main goals for this podcast is to create more inclusivity between the non-LGBTQIA community so that there is ultimately, move. we are ultimately moving to a place of inclusivity where we still find it important to have these establishments because, you know, it's just part of our culture, but there's more dialogue, there's more spaces available just to be present and be just a person wanting to have a connection with someone else while still having those those connections with people that you relate to, right? Right. That's interesting. I mean, kind of defining yourself as the label, making it difficult to form those other, those relationships that you desire to have. There's a, there's a kind of vicious circle there 
and attaching that label to yourself and attaching more positive labels to other people. As one of the downsides, I feel secure attachment label is that it feeds into a myth that we can't have, we can't have satisfying relationships unless we define as being securely attached, unless we, you know, tick all the check boxes and that type of myth, you know, lives in our mind rent free. <laughs> right? right? Like, right. I'm sure most people would raise their hand if they've ever experienced a relationship ending, and then thinking, well, I guess I'm just sip simply unlovable. Mm, no, for sure. Well, and right. I, another thing, another aspect is like, you know, when I work with my clients, and we work so diligently and so hard on getting them to the point where they're like, cool, like, I now am aware of my insecure attachment, I'm aware of what activates it. I'm aware of what to do differently in those first stages of meeting somebody and, and dating them. And so I think people really have this sense of urgency, right? Where they're like, cool, like I'm gonna do all this work and I'm gonna get it first time it comes around because I know exactly what to do and look for, right? Um, right. But what I have to remind people is that if you know people that are securely attached and how, how likely is it that the first person that they dated which might've been in high school or out of high school and college, they're still with that person. Chances are probably not likely at all. But I think, you know, getting someone to the point where they're like, cool, like maybe I can just look at this as an experience that I now also have a history of good relationships, not just these really toxic, unhealthy relationships. I can actually go into a, a future relationship saying, for once I don't, have to tell somebody that all of my relationships have been shitty. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of like liberation and a lot of just like empowerment in that. And yeah. I think that when you finally get to that point where you are so secure in your attachment to yourself, it's just like such a freeing feeling because you no longer go through life looking for your partner, searching for your partner. You are just so comfortable being you, being with friends, being with family that like, I hate to say it, but these, things just like start kind of entering your orbit. Right. And I think that right. it's important to keep that in mind because I think a lot of people do have that misconception that when I become secure in my insecure attachment style, it's going to be all game over and watch out because I'm going to find whoever I'm looking for. It just doesn't work that way. And I think yeah. it's important to kind of, you spent how many years really kind of cementing your insecure attachment style. So why not allow yourself the opportunity to say, wow, like I really need to get to know myself as well as really create opportunities where I am confident and know myself as Nick or Chase or Laurel as this person. Like I really think it's important to really be confident with yourself. So, yeah, that's, that's difficult. That's a difficult thing. I mean, in all of the attachment styles, there's the description of kind of like how it started. You know, these events happened in your childhood or in your like early development periods. And now this is how you relate to other people. But a, a big part of how we relate to other people, the kind of basis, the foundation of that is how we relate to ourselves. Yeah. Right. And that it is, <clears throat> it is a missing piece. And, you know, for our... <laughs> generation and for like what we will be what me and you have experienced personally and what we've experienced with friends is that relationship that we have with ourselves is often ignored right we're yes, thinking yes. about you know what our secure how our secure attachment uh how our attachment style relates to how we relate to other people right we, we view ourselves through the lens of how other people see us how other people treat us, the, you know, health, the quality of the relationship that we have with other people. But how much time do you really spend thinking about your relationship with yourself? Do you feel like you know yourself? Do you feel like you're happy with your own set of values? Do you feel like you're happy with your own goals? And that is a big part of what you do and what you help people with is you may talk in therapy about a lot of your relationships with other people, but kind of the end goal is what does that say about you and how you exactly. feel about yourself and how you're going to use that in right. the future. Right? right. 
Yeah, and I, I was kind of to go along with what you were just saying. You know, there's that cheesy, like, date yourself kind of idea where you date yourself, take yourself on dates. <laughs> yeah. So I think, like, like, one way to look at that is if you're like, you know what, I'm going to date myself. I'm going to I'm gonna go to the movies with myself. And then the immediate reaction is like, oh, my God, like, I could never. Like, what? <laughs> if you were actually going to the movies with someone else... And they were like, hey, do you want to go to the movies? And you're like, oh, my God, never would I be seen in public with you ever at all. Like, how <laughs> how shitty would that be for that person to hear that? But, like, when you are saying that about yourself, it's the same thing. Like, you would not be caught dead in public with yourself. And so maybe one way to kind of, like, really start looking at that is how looking at how you date and court people, right? So if... If part of my dating strategy is every time I pick them up for a day, I'm going to bring them a flower. I'm going to bring them a bouquet. I'm going to bring them something that they like. What that's saying is that you are bringing something to show that person that you care, that you took some time out of your life to bring something nice to them. But also the more information that you gather, the more those, like, those little things, those little tokens of appreciation become very personalized. Right? Mm -hmm. So, why do we spend so much more time getting to know everybody else and their interests as opposed to ourselves? And what that says is I need to secure the bag. I need to secure the bag. So I'm going to learn everything I can about that person as opposed to, you know what, why don't I follow my same approach to my, that I do to other people mm. and date myself and maybe take myself out to coffee, take myself out, take myself out for a walk, bring myself a flower, like have flowers delivered. And I know sometimes like financial issues can be, can be, a hindrance for that but like what can you do to really show yourself that you want to know you you want to be seen in public with you and you want to just like be in a relationship with yourself that's really secure and solid yeah that that hits that hits art that hits art yeah. because it, yeah. it's so true i've seen this in my relationship like i will think about all of the possible things that i could do for the other person and it's, it, it's with ease, you know, it's not a struggle. It just comes to me. I'm inspired to be a good partner and to, you know, make the relationship as healthy as possible and make sure that they feel loved and heard and they feel accepted and, you know, bigging them up. But when I am alone, I'm not doing that to myself. My, all of my, all of the conversation, like if I, if I was dating myself, oh man, that would be the worst relationship. <laughs> Yikes. I should, I should be arrested for domestic abuse against myself. Holy moly. Well, we, well, we laugh, but like, if we look at like how we treat ourselves, like even had this conversation with a client a couple weeks ago, like we, we, we stay in relationships that are, we know are not good for us. Right. But when, when it me, when it might be called out that that relationship is a specific dynamic, I'm not going to use a word, but we're like, mm, like, no, I don't, I don't want to be in that relationship, but yeah, you're staying in it. So if you're allowing someone to treat you like that, that's obviously an indicator that you are also disrespecting yourself. So, I mean, you kind of have to like, look at that and say, well, you're right. Like I'm getting so upset with this person because they're like being super condescending, hostile, whatever it is towards me. But by me staying in this relationship, aren't I doing the same exact thing to my myself and my my inner child? Like, why do I allow myself to abuse myself, but I see it in other people and it's okay, but yet I continue to stay in it, right? Yeah, I guess we're, tra we're a bit trapped to some degree. I mean, not to some degree, like you are, you are trapped <laughs> with yourself. No, you can't sure. break up with yourself, you're, you're there for the long haul. It's the one relationship in your life that you do have to work on. Uh, at some point, you know, marriage, uh, divorce wasn't legal. Uh, it was, yeah, it wasn't legal. You had to stay with the person forever. So people are like, all right, I will figure this out. But your, your marriage to yourself is forever. So if you're going to worry about having a secure attachment style or being more securely attached with other people, you should first probably take a look in the mirror and kind of think about how securely attached you are to yourself because it's a prerequisite. How likely do you think it's going to be that you're going to be able to develop a securely attached 
style relationship with another person, whether it be a romantic partner or a friend, if you're not able to do that, kind of to yourself. Yeah, and I think another kind of, just I mentioned this internal working model concept at the beginning of the, of the episode. And I think that's what, for I think when we look at why, like for people that stay in relationships, we're gonna get more into this on the next few episodes, but if you, if you're the type of person that knows what they deserve, knows what they expect, feels that something isn't right, and you have no problem being like, you know what, this is great, but it's just not working for me. Chances are you have done a lot of work on yourself. Or if it just is so innate in you, then that means that you had a very strong, secure working model in your parents. And so you, whether it was whether and they were an interdependent relationship or whether that was a single parent that knew what not to tolerate, and they were like, I'm not gonna stay in this relationship. So we observe those things as children. And so as adults, when we find ourselves saying like, I don't know why I just can't let go of this. You can't let go of it because you haven't identified what the working model was that you are internally working from. And so you have no skills because you never observed them. You don't have the blueprint to say, wow, you know what? This just isn't working for me. You have the blueprint to say, this sucks because you heard it, you observed it in your parent, but you never heard your parents say, you know what? This isn't working for me because I respect myself more than that. And so that's why people don't know why they can't let go of that attachment because that's just their blueprint that they are operating under in relationships. You got, you got burned. You got burned that blueprint. Take that blueprint to the fireplace, baby. Let's go to Burning Man and get rid of that. I bet that's why a lot of people go to Burning Man. Yeah, we should probably ask some people. Maybe we should go next year and do some uh, do some on-site interviews. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I definitely want. I, w- I would like to go to Burning Man just because I think everyone is uh, insecurely attached. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of my, a bunch of my people there hanging out. <laughs> well, maybe <Being> wild. <laughs> maybe maybe next year who else will take it on the road and we can get a group going yeah, take it on the road baby we're gonna have our own camp it's gonna be right. it's gonna be it's gonna be freaking wild <laughs> we can but, do. Who, else, who else doesn't know why the hell they're here <laughs> yeah i think i think uh two hours into burning man most people don't know where they are why they're there <laughs> Oh. <laughs> who is this person licking my <laughs> who, know, who knows what butt stuff well, right but wait I, I know I know I have a lot of friends that have gone to Burning Man and uh it's it's an experience it's a spiritual transformation so it does offer a sense of community that people have never had before and through that sense of community it's a corrective emotional experience right yeah I think one part of a kind of Burning Man experience that is like it's a brand new experience even if you mm-hmm. kind of picture it in your mind, even if you're someone who's gone camping or whatever, like Burning Man is is quite an experience. It's a difficult thing to recreate. Um, and the kind of the harsh, quote unquote, harshness of the experience, you know, the terrain and the heat and the stickiness and, you know, like being a bit like kind of out of your mind, out of your element and being around a bunch of strangers, it kind of forces you to learn secure attachment styles yeah, for sure for sure how else are you going to survive at burning man if you don't learn to kindly interact with other people that you don't know and if you if you self-define as someone who has an insecure attachment style if you feel like you're a bit of a loner and that type of stuff you you have to break out of that pretty quick if you're going to make Absolutely. it at burning Absolutely. man so it is is quite good for to, to help yeah. kind of with that so we look at the concept of like reparenting yourself, right? And we are going to obviously talk about that in a lot more detail in future episodes. But, you know, Burning Man does offer people the opportunity to reparent themselves because they have to learn to trust themselves. They have to be in tune with what they need. They have to trust other people. And so I think that's an aspect of it. I think it was a couple of years ago where that was one of the, you know, those big, like, what are they called? Those pieces of art that are huge. I think that was one of the, the, the art pieces was like this like inner child that you get the opportunity to really kind of connect with on this, on this experience and reparent. Absolutely. So we've, we've talked about how secure attachment, like where secure attachment comes from, what it feels like to feel insecurely attached and be looking out at these people who are securely attached, who are these strange, these strange folks. But yeah, as we've discussed, you don't need to come from a perfect Brady Bunch style childhood 
in order to develop the ability to have a secure attachment with others in your life as an adult, right? This does, it doesn't mean that you should throw in the towel uh, and go on a crazy sex spree across West Hollywood. <laughs> Nick can tell you that that is not a fruitful experience. It's not, it's not the... <laughs> It's not the way to enlightenment everybody. Trust me, I know firsthand. It's true. <laughs> no, it's no, it's it's no good. It's not going to fill your harm with fill your heart with warm goodness. <laughs> it'll fill it'll fill other things with warm goodness, but not your heart, ladies and gentlemen. Not your heart. What stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about your stomach with good food when you go outside. Never mind. Oh right, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but but even if you do fail. Uh, that you're not, I'm not a securely attached person. My parents didn't love me perfectly. I didn't go through all the good things. There are still some key things I think that you can do to be to become a bit more securely attached in your current relationships and in you know other relationships that you develop going forward. And those include trusting and being trusted by other people. As Nick mentioned, being yourself, you know, loving yourself uh, and being open. Right. So if we think about trust, the definition of trust is defined as the ability to bond and be vulnerable with others. Right. Believing that we will be accepted by other people and that other people will be supportive of us. Correct. But some people are not going to be very accepting <laughs> or, or supportive uh, of us. And as two queer men, uh, I think we can tell you that it often <laughs> It often feels like most people we date uh, are not very accepting or supportive of us. Have you ever, ever experienced this, Nicholas? <laughs> He's holding yeah. it inside. You know what? I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to. I'm going to be honest with myself and you all. Yes, I have experienced that. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of people that I know <laughs> would agree that that has been the case. Um, yeah. But we have to take responsibility. And part of taking responsibility is being honest with ourselves, right? And so as much as we want to say, well, it's my working model, it's my working model, it's my work. Well, yeah, it's your working model. <laughs> but like, you also have to say, hey, I'm an adult. I don't really, I mean, there are situations where someone is imperative for survival, but for the most part, mm -hmm. if you're able to hold down a job, you've been able to have your own apartment, pay your car note, all this stuff, mm -hmm. chances are you do not need that person for survival, right? That's right. Um, and so you have to like kind of step back and say, you know what, I stayed in it. And I can either choose to say I stayed in it, whoa, 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 whoa. Or you can say, you know what, done being the victim because I'm an adult and I'm not victim to my circumstances anymore. Yeah, that's right. You have to look at those those relationships that you may have as a you know, insecurely mm -hmm attached person or like I, I should say those those insecurely attached relationships that you may have in your life and you have to say to yourself look some people are unlikely to ever be what we want them to be you have an idea in your mind right like i i, I suffer with this a lot where i will meet a person and i develop a very like idealistic image in my mind and they never live up to that that image and then and then it's disappointing and it's, and it's difficult to trust that person right but we have to acknowledge look the relationship we're we're in maybe it's never going to be what we need it to be and we shouldn't waste our our time trying to shove our foot in a glass slipper that doesn't fit right because right. Right. there are so many people out there who we could be in a securely attached relationship with exactly. right uh, in order to develop and maintain trust in a relationship, we have to be comfortable relying on other people without being overly dependent. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. that's a very difficult thing, right? So we, when you hear the term securely attached, it can sound like it may not be the best words, like secure attachment it may not be the best words because it can sound like you're attached, right? Like glue. Yeah. This relationship is is everything. I can put all of my dependence on this relationship right. and and it will not break. But as I mentioned, you create this idealistic image in your mind. And when we're overly dependent, mm -hmm. we set the other person up for failure. And unless that other person is completely subservient 
to us and completely obsessed with us, there are going to be times where they don't live up to our very high expectations of us. And it's going to be difficult to form trust in that person, right? Like, like, have you been uh, in a relationship where you had a very idealistic (laughs) image where you wanted the other person that you needed the other person to live up to? Never. (laughs) I knew it. Nick is so perfect. He's so annoying with that dumb, that dumb smile of his. Whose teeth are that white? Jeez, I hate you. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that, so th- I think this is a treat in people, as you'll find out next episode, of people that are anxiously attached, like myself, or that operate from an anxious attachment style. I'm not, because I think when I say anxiously attached, that makes it very concrete. But when, but I, if I am, since I am fundamentally rooted in an anxious attachment style, we had to learn as infants and children to really give people the benefit of the doubt, really kind of like hope for the best. And so what you'll find is that the, like people like myself really kind of stay in situations based on these little like things that we know someone's capable of being. And we just know it. So one day they'll get there. Just like one day I know my mom will come around the corner and not be upset all the time. Or maybe she'll come back after being gone for four days and be me. But like, I have nobody else. And so that's the, that's the, that's one of the mill tickets right there is like, I have nobody else to help me take care of myself. You're an adult. You can take care of yourself. But also like, that might be true if you have, if you don't have a lot of friends where going back to the example with someone moving to LA, like, I think that's a common thing is people come to LA and they have nobody and they're like, oh my God, they meet somebody and they latch onto it because that person has been consistent for the last four days. And then all about us out of nowhere. What do you mean? You don't want to come pick me up. What do you mean? Like we're breaking up. Like I think there's a lot of nuances to relationships and we have to really learn to, in the moment, stop ourselves and say, you know what, is what I'm feeling indicating that my attachment style is activated? And if so, what that means is this person in my mind is imperative for my survival. Is that right. true? Do I, am I going to, am I going to survive if this person is longer in my life? It might mean that I have to go out and meet people. And that's where like the work comes in. Like what's preventing you from doing those other things. Right. So. Yeah. 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 Opening, opening yourself up and allowing the trust, allowing, <laughs> allowing the trust to develop. But trust is not only about whether we can trust the other person, right? Like in the, in the example you gave the, the, being able to trust like our, that our mom will, you know, kind of give us what we need uh, when, when we were children or trusting that our partner will, you know, I I trust that they will come home and they will, you know, as soon as they walk in the door, they will, you know, ask me how my day has been. And they'll, I trust that they'll come home and give me a bouquet of flowers, you know, like it's having trust in a relationship is not only about whether we can trust the other person, a lot of the times, uh, most of the time, I think the, that person isn't going to kind of give off the trustworthy vibes that you're looking for if you are being anxious, right? right. And, that, and right. that creates a toxic environment for them and makes it difficult for, for them to trust you, right? Part of being securely attached is being able to provide the emotional support for others, right? When our friends or our partners are having a bad day, they should feel comfortable reaching out to us, right? This makes them feel loved. This makes them feel taken care of. And it makes us feel needed and capable. I think about it with my relationship with my mother. I think I had so much resentment for so long that I didn't get the childhood that I wanted, that she wasn't around as much as I wanted that as I got older, I distanced myself from her. I wasn't showing up to that relationship. But the story in my head was, well, I can't trust her. Like, but I I wasn't a trustworthy person to her. Like, why would she, why would she show me love as an adult and and be a person I can trust if, (laughs) you know, I'm being very dismissive and I'm sitting around waiting I'm waiting for my phone to ring instead of picking up yes. the phone and making the call myself. Yeah, and that whole idea of trust and mistrust, that's like the very first concept we, we work 
we're confronted with, right? Our first conflict or dilemma. Um, and we'll also go into that in next season. But if my parent comes and takes care of me consistently, reliably, then that means that I can trust them. But as kids, if we don't feel that we are being taken care of, not only do we not trust that in the other person, but also since we're very like me, me, me people, we're, we're egocentric. If I can't trust my mom because she's not taking care of me, well, then ultimately there must be something about me that's untrustworthy. That's why she's not taking care of me. Right. Right. And being the type of person uh, outside of trust, something you know that, that you went through earlier was being yourself, being securely attached in yourself. And how that relates with trust is to be the type of person who other people can trust. Do you trust yourself? Look in the mirror and ask yourself, like, think about the messages that you say to yourself throughout the day and ask yourself, are those the type of messages that someone would say to someone they trust? Right. You have to get to the point where you trust yourself. Yeah. So first, we we should be comfortable being ourselves. Right. We should be comfortable whether or not we're in a relationship. I think that's one of the most difficult things. And we've all experienced this. We've all done it ourselves and we all see it with our friends. How many people immediately sign up for Bumble, sign up for Grindr the moment someone breaks up with us, right? (laughs) It's like, we see the text. I just want to be friends. You open the app store and download, you know, but you're, you're not comfortable being yourself. You're not comfortable being alone and feeling like a complete person and that lack of trust and it's it's going to feed into the next relationship right like do you would you want to date someone who is constantly bouncing around from relationship to relationship i mean i think that a lot of us have done that right where whether it's just how it is or what what the circumstances are or whether we tell ourselves that we're okay with that bouncing around right so i think the the second part of being ourselves, being comfortable with ourselves is, I say, being yourself, I think this is something a lot of people misunderstand, right? They kind of take it to extremes where they're either not themselves and they're trying to fit into a certain mold in order to, you know, just fit in, fit in with some group, get acceptance from some group or to, for their partner, be the type of person their partner wants them to be. Or they swing all the way to the other side and they're just a super self-centered narcissist, right? Like, I'm comfortable with myself. I'm the best person in the world, right? And it's it's not about being a narcissist, right? Being yourself and being happy with yourself and trusting yourself. It's about having a strong internal goal-oriented behavior, right? Knowing what you want, what you're having a, a concept of what your purpose is as an individual, what you want to do in the world, having goals, working towards them. And, and feeling competent uh, and impactful yeah, as a person. I think you experience that a lot. Like we, we talk about that, how you feel like you have a very positive impact on the world, given your, given your career uh, yeah. and given the types of relationships that you nurture in your life, you, you feel like you have an impact. You feel competent, you know, as you mentioned, yeah. like you have a job, you have an apartment that you keep clean and nicely designed and you cook nice meals for yourself and you, sure. you're, oh, sure. you're able to stand on, stand on your own. Right. Right. And I think we, sometimes we forget to keep that in mind, right? We forget to keep in mind the fact that, cool, like I am maintaining my own apartment. I am maintaining my career. I'm maintaining other relationships. Um, because I think it's hard to kind of take that into consideration when you are feeling really unloved and rejected and abandoned. Right. And like, you need a relationship. Like we forget to just look in our immediate vicinity because we're always so focused on looking outward and looking ahead that we stop and say, wait a second. Like I have a couch, I have a KitchenAid stand mixer that I love. I have, (laughs) (laughs) but I think, you know, like, yeah, true. Some other people have helped you get to this place you're in where you have those those items. But like, again, like just because the other person disappeared or left your life doesn't mean all the other stuff disappeared. But I think that's how we feel when we are so devastated by the person leaving us is because we've become so, we identify so much as that person 
that when mm-hmm. they leave, there's almost sometimes like a visceral reaction where we can feel like part of us leaving as well, right? And so that's where right. people really should focus on doing the work is why do I feel like I can't literally sit on my couch and watch TV like I would do every other time with my partner, right? Yeah. Man, that's hard. I find that very difficult, personally. Like, I I have a massive television. (laughs) My TV (laughs) is, like, the size of the goddamn wall. And every every apartment I've ever had, I always buy the biggest TV I can. But I only ever use it when other people are here. (laughs) I never allow myself to just sit there and just watch it myself and the same with like food like i'll always like keep food around in order to cook like a really good meal like something that i know how to make but i would never cook that for myself right it's i there are elements kind of of my own personality and things that i you know something i try to work on is difficult is realizing that you are the main character of your own story yes absolutely absolutely like and that you should be securely attached to that main character. For sure. This for sure. every story has other characters. You know, they have friends and they have talking candlesticks and <laughs> sure, <laughs> you sure. know, a lobster best friend. Everyone has other characters <laughs> in their story. Right. I'm mentioning Disney princesses if we didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah. But even though you you may be a, an amazing uh, Disney princess. <laughs> Another, another part of knowing yourself, I think both of us do frequently on this podcast, is we are very aware of our own shortcomings. Yes. We are very open yes. about how we've messed up in the past and how we mess up now. Like, I, I still fuck up every day. Right. I do something dumb. <laughs> uh, and I try to be yeah. open and honest about that. And I think you do, too. I think you're very good at this. Yeah. Thank you. appreciate that. I agree with you. Like you are as well, and I think that that's something that I think we've. I feel like it's been a, a very like valued trait about our friendship for me is that we are able to call each other out. Like you know, when we're saying something that doesn't make sense, like being like that doesn't make sense. And so, like in in relation, like intimate relation, romantic relationships, that's so hard to take, right? It's like mm, I don't want like, ooh, I can't say anything bad because. What are they going to say? Or it's like, you can't say anything bad about me. Like, there's that, like, there's such, like, I think it's so interesting when we get into romantic relationships and we're so secure in our, like, platonic friendships. <laughs> like, they can just, like, hang out or they can just hang out for months without anything. And then <laughs> they'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> uh, we're so, but it's because our view of completing or being complete as a self relays on that very intimate, caring type relationship that you get from a romantic partner, right? Absolutely. So that develop yeah. that developing the developing the self awareness, yeah. the self knowledge exactly. is part of being securely attached. You have to remember secure attachment is not only about your relationship with other people. It's about your relationship with yourself. And part of having a relationship with other people is speaking up for yourself. That's hard. Uh, I don't. I don't want to put you on the spot, but <laughs> I'm sure there are things. There's something that you feel and that you want. Like, let's in your last relationship, or you know, in one of your last relationships, you knew it fully. It's not like you were even unaware. There was an anxiety you had about the about the situation, the power dynamic, whatever it was. It was clear as day to you, but you wouldn't say anything. <laughs> you would never breathe a word of it to the other person. Why? So I think it's like it's it's a very like complex thing, right? Um, there's not like one reason why, but you know, a lot of it is, you know, I think sometimes like when we talk about doing the work. People are like, cool, like you're going to give me all these steps and it's going to be like CBT therapy where like I'm feeling depressed and we're going to go through eight modules on how to get me to think differently so that I can not be depressed. Well, okay, that that's fine. That works. But then what happens is, oh, we're going to start identifying like cognitive distortions and like automatic beliefs 
And now we have to like look at maybe where those came from. And oh, that's why. Well, it's because this trauma happened to me. This is what I observed as a working model in a relationship. And so I have this sense of hope for people. So I'm going to use everything that I know about this person. There's a There might be some trauma bonding aspect to it. There might be some like, oh, they're going through, a, there's rationalization justifying going on. And so then by the time that we like start re really seeing it for what it is, now we're too far in, right? And then we don't want to be the bad guy. We also don't want to be the person that creates a lot of tension. So, but sometimes things just happen where you do the work and it's a gradual, gradual, gradual process. And then sometimes things happen where you're just like, mm, I know that I've seen this lots of times before, but I'm kind of just done with it. And, you know, sometimes that happens in a very like calm, rational manner, but sometimes it has to happen the way that it does in order for you to disrupt the system. It's like when, um, I don't know if you've seen Doubt with Meryl Streep and Amy Adams. No. So there's a scene in there where she, so Amy Adams is like the the, the nice new like nun. And so Meryl mm -hmm. Streep is the, is the, is the principal of, of the school. Oh, and so of course Meryl Streep, everybody's terrified of her. And so they have a conversation one day and Meryl Streep tells her, Hey, you know, sometimes you just have to, basically you have to just throw a wrench in the system, right? People yeah. know she was nice. They don't respect you. They like you, but they don't respect you. And so sometimes when you just have this pattern of kind of being the nice person in order to kind of jolt you into the, like some sort of change and jolt the other person into change, you have to be like, fuck this. I'm out. Bye. And some can see that as being very like, you know, like this operating in a sense of urgency, but for some people, like that's what it takes to finally be like, whoa, that felt so good to finally like claim that power that now I need to tone it down a little bit, but like now you start seeing like all of the, the pieces, right? And so I think that you just have to have those moments where you continue to do the work and then you just see it for what it is and you're just out. So I think as you, as you do that, like being like, fuck it, I'm out of here. There's a lead up though, yeah. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a, a downside to so many relationships. Like I've done this in loads of relationships where I just let it build up and build yeah. up. I didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. We're just kind of sitting there. As you said, no one wants to be the bad guy. No yeah. one wants to spoil the party. We're both doing the work on ourselves, right? Like I'm doing the work in my head. They're doing the work in their head, but neither of us are doing the work in the relationship, right? Of telling the other person, okay, now that I fully understand my feelings, I'm going to tell you how I feel. It's like, no, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it until it's so bad that one day I'm just like, fuck this. And then I leave. And then it's, it's a spoiled kind of experience. I've always felt there's no reason for relationships to end poorly. Right. Every relationship, no matter what it is, there was a point where that relationship could have ended amicably. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some people are nuts. Like, let's not, you know, some people are, there are, <laughs> there are exceptions to this rule. Uh, yeah. But for, you know, normal relationships, I think we need to be super honest, right? Be super honest on the first date. Be super honest on the second date. And on the third date, and six months in and a year in, be honest about how you're feeling. If you're doing the work, you have to speak up for yourself because secure attachment may be a personal label. Like it's a label that you have on yourself, but all attachment styles are not single. Attachment styles are not single player games. They're two player games, right? Right. We have to create an environment where the players can play in a open environment where people are communicating honestly and they're communicating effectively, I think as well, because, yes. you know, I think it's very easy to go around telling people, this is what I need you to do. Like this is, this is what I want in this relationship. And we expect them to take out their notepads and their pens like mm -hmm. uh, Elle Woods and Legally Blunt. Like it's like, <laughs> It's like, for sure, people are here to live their life. You're you have people have responsibility over their life. You have responsibility over your life. Secure attachment is how you deal with yourself. 
and how you effectively deal with other people, not yelling <laughs> and, and making no, totally. uh, unreasonable totally. demands. And that's, I think, one thing that you know when I when I worked with kids, like teenagers, in like in residential facilities where they're like really kind of in treatment and recovering from you know substance abuse or whether it's like severe emotional disorders, you you finally get them to the point where they like learn communication skills, where they like learn to be assertive, not aggressive, passive aggressive. And so just like I was talking about with like the idea of I've had a really shitty pattern of dysfunctional relationships and now I know what to look for and now I know what to do. Now I know how to, how to engage differently. And so now I know how to be assertive. And so if I wasn't getting what I wanted before, now I want to be assertive and now I'm going to get everything I want. Like, no, being being secure in your, your attachment to yourself is I am so confident in how I communicated what I want, what I need, what I expect, but I'm also so secure in my confidence in myself that if I don't get what I want, or if that other person is unable to give me what I want, then I'm going to be okay. And I just move on, right? Yeah, it's inch, inch by inch. It's stepping stones, becoming a more securely attached person is like getting fit, right? You're not going to go from where you are to, you know, a super muscular, beefy person, unless you're already a beefy person like Nick. But <laughs> me personally, I am not a, I'm not a beefy, a beefy person. And I'm not going to become one overnight. I need to make gradual steps. And as you do it day by day, you'll become more, more comfortable. You'll become more comfortable with yourself. And you'll become more comfortable uh, with other people. So yeah. that's 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 secure attachment. That's secure attachment. What it is, what it isn't, and how to become more securely uh, attached. So Nick, why don't you hit people with our question of the week? Ooh, new segment. Question of the week. So here at Who Else Studios. We like to push the boundaries. We like to be a little bit provocative. Question of the week is, you know, we talked about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory earlier, which was perfect for this. <laughs> Question of the week is, if you had gotten the golden ticket to a secure attachment style, what would your Chocolate Factory look like today? Butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had so, to. Uh, or what would or what would Nicole Kidman say about your movie on her AMC promo spot? Perfect and powerful. <laughs> oh, Nicole! We should, we should, uh, I mean, they said it's written. They said the script is written. So I think a lot of people are ready for it. A lot of people. Oh yeah, the so, new one. Oh, I'm so excited so, for it. Yeah. So, um, oh. so just something to just something to ponder um, over the next week or so until our next episode drops mm -hmm. but um chase what uh what are we going to be talking about on the next episode we already kind of alluded to it but what are we going to talk about specifically uh well if you're wondering uh how it looks if you weren't the lucky recipient of the <laughs> secure attachment style ticket uh tune in next week because we're going to be exploring the dreaded and sometimes cringy insecure attachment styles and what, and what do we want people to remember remember uh, the next time you feel like you're the only one, remember, who else?